failed umpteen times and then eventually got it fine-tuned so they no longer have to think about it. I was in the national news the next day and a couple of headlines going, Mick gets more than an eyeful, you know, from, you know, Garvin's, you know, Mickey Mouse boxer shorts. You know, there is no blueprint out there that's going to work in every scenario, every situation. And I think that's what we need to start to get young people to think about. In the room, 52 Jokers Wild. All right, it's another Friday, and here we are in the room with George and Garvin, and our special guest today is Wayne Denner, who is an online safety guru, I believe, and uh, cybersecurity. He also got called away recently because of some issues that were happening locally, and we'll probably never get to talk about any of that because that's not we what the show's care. all about. That's we? work. <laughs> we, we talk about UFOs and strange things happening in parallel universes and Schroeder's, Schrodinger's cat. And I got that name wrong, but that doesn't matter because we keep all those little fluffs in. Last week I got I got a punch from uh, Billy Schroer because I, I got his name wrong. I couldn't get the Sweps thing going, but uh, hopefully I got his name spelt right there. <laughs> so that's all right. And at least I've got your name right. Wayne, <laughs> this book, uh, for some reason, because I, I, it, the dyslexia keeps kicking in, and I, and I'd seen Wayne and Denner, and I put the D in front of the Wayne, and I had Dwayne, and I went, no, no, it's not Dwayne, but I got it right, so it should be okay. So, how are you doing? How are you keeping? <laughs> I am doing fantastic. Actually, great to join you guys on the podcast today. Oh, thanks very much. Now, I'm going to jump in because my mind is already going. Because George gave me a trigger. And he said, Dwayne, that's Dwayne Johnson. I'm reminded of him. Forget the Dwayne, go back to Wayne. I was thinking, John Wayne, get off your horse and drink your milk. That's now I'm going, your parents Appar must have had something in mind with the Wayne. So was it good old John? Apparently it was good old John. You're absolutely right. <laughs> well, there you go. Get off your horse and drink your milk. There's a man in the field. Some, what, what was the one in Ireland he done? What, what, there was a good old film. The quiet man. man. The quiet well, man. I'm not a, well, I'm no John Wayne. I'm no quiet man. George wishes I was. Maybe you are. <laughs> you have to be. You have to be a good listener here to see see how things go. But we've 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 been. We're actually now on to episode eighty one of our show. We've been we've been ploughing on since June of last year, and here we are now into into another June. But we've been keeping pretty positive with our kind of discussions and what we've been getting up to. And in the last few weeks, we've decided, you know what? It's no good just talking to ourselves. We need to open the loop out and start reaching out to the world outside and see how they're doing. So that's the reason why we've got you on the on the show today. So how have you been keeping over this last year? I have been, well, in the current scheme of things, I have been fantastic. And, and believe it or not, I have been following the madness on LinkedIn. Um, of <laughs> we the, found uh, our of customer. There's our yes. customer. The That's the one that we I, were I, celebrating I, last week. We, we actually <laughs> done all the maths and all the data mining. And we, we're working out this. We have 70 shows. We have 70 views. Is it seven people Is it watching 10? Is it 10 watching seven? No, it's Wayne Denner. Watching them all back to back, we found that one person, the only customer in the room that matters. Thanks, I Wayne. It's for I don't you. need to bet. I don't need to binge watch on Netflix. I can binge watch on Joker's Wild. That's it. Fifty Two Joker's Wild. That's it. Well, <laughs> and and the, and the name came because of of the card games that we'd all been playing along as well. We suddenly went. Do you know what? Why not be the Joker? Why not be the Joker and actually set our own, you know, boundaries to or limitate not limitations, open the boundaries up and see where we can fly. 
and 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 one of the biggest problems that we had initially was the kind of fear of actually doing this kind of thing and and now we're we've got so used to it it's kind of should we do a show or we should have recorded that one that would have been really really good and what one of the things that i really like about it george is you never know what's going to happen and whenever i tune in you, you pick up some stuff and you just never know what way it's going to go and from a from a viewer's point of view listener's point of view that's intriguing that's interesting yeah how, well, you, I, how do you think we feel george <laughs> is saying day one he's he's from the film industry he's going yes we need to we'll write a script. script this we'll script that i'm going no. george i have a memory span of a goldfish i have no short-term memory capability i couldn't learn a poem for the leaving cert 30 something years ago there's no hope of me following a script or lines we've got to go improv you know you can cut you can pace you can edit me out you can stick me in afterwards but if you start saying follow the rules and if you start saying my brain shuts down on the basis of i remember doing it's logical, maths. My son is the exact same. It's like, if I don't remember A, B, C in that order, I will get stuck on B and never get to D. Whereas other people go, write in Z, write in Y, put in X, put them, doesn't matter, just get them out. Go, no, I'm stuck in a logical row or, or an order. And therefore, that was, actually, that's why I was who I was for 30 years. I got stuck in the rut of a silo of being an accountant. I knew what I was. You turned up, you got paid, you did a job. But at the end of the day, you went, how the hell did you get out of this? Because I know the order now, but I've no alternate order. There's no star point, no white. You can't hand be a white sheet. And go, actually, my sis, my daughter was saying the same thing. I've got a mini-me. She went off and got advice as to what can you be you know, when you grow up. And she, we got and paid for consultancy advice. It's like a mini Myers-Briggs. And she did the test and the guy said, God, you're great. You know, you know your, your left hand side of your brain is doing some, some nice hoops and sort of whirls and your right side is doing the same. You can be anything you want, which put her back and me Square back to one. nothing. We can be nothing. I don't know what it is. Didn't know now. I just paid you some money and I know less. So we can be everything and nothing. So actually, there yeah. you go. I'm, Back to well, you. Otherwise, I, George is sick to death of this. But I thank suppose you for being our customer. I, I suppose the the irony there is, Garvin, that you know when it comes to business, um, there's really no right or wrong way. Um, you know, and that's that's the beauty of of what you guys are doing, what I'm doing uh, as well. You know, there is no blueprint out there that's going to work in every scenario, every situation. And I think that's what we need to start to get young people to think about. You know, you don't necessarily need to go down that traditional route anymore. If there's something out there that you really want to do, then let's make it happen. There will be a pathway into that. You just need to find what the pathway is. So I think, you know what, what you're saying there is absolutely on point. There is no right or wrong. And I think now, most I'm kids are being- for a second. I have a saying, George, sorry. It'll yeah, go. go, I forget. We've got wrong, so right is ridiculous. You know, we go, we've, we're the masters of wrong. We're going, we don't know how to market. We don't know what branding is. We can't figure out the algorithms. We might be doing something that might be interesting. And you found us because you knew, a friend of a friend twice removed, <laughs> George pointed you to it. The rest of the planet haven't a clue, can't find us, don't know what it is, don't know how to deal with us, because they're frightened of what we could be. And they, that's the thing. If they're not, if, if someone is not your audience, like my wife, it's, she, they won't give you the time. You have that elevator pitch amount of time of, you know, and you don't even have that if you're not searching or looking. And that's what we found. We, we're doing it in the isolation of the audience. We're hoping we'll get better. And by the time we get there, there might be someone. If we package it, there's a possibility. But we're not, we have to keep on remembering, we're not the experts. No. A 10-year-old, I think, I think, I think, is the expert. 
Yeah, no, I think, I think you see, there's an illusion there. I think a lot of people keep thinking that they have to be the experts. And a lot of people that I we've been talking to recently, including Billy, sure, he, he was kind of going, oh, do I need to go off to college and go and do a whole load of courses and things? And I said, no, 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 no. And I listened to what he was talking about, and I went, well, you've already, you've already getting the customers coming in, so you've got no problem there. You've gone off and done some form of training, so you've got no problem there. So what are you worried about? Why, why, why don't you just keep on doing what you're doing? And he said, oh, I've got to just go out and meet more and more people. I know, because I've suffered it as well, is that often you kind of feel that you're not the expert. You need to do more learning. You need to do this to get things to work. And quite often, the best way is to just keep practice, practice, practice. And then you become the expert. I mean, I, I was listening to myself on the other show and, because one of the things that we've actually noticed is that we have this conversation like we're doing now. We've got you on your computer, me, uh, Garvin on his, me on mine. We're not experiencing the show. We're, we're having a different experience of this show. I then edit all the, all the streams together and that's a different experience again. When I suddenly see it on YouTube, I'm that's the first time I've actually seen the program as a program, and I'm seeing it totally different. So the guy that looks like me could be somebody else. It could be Joe Bloggs down the road. And I was listening to myself sitting there kind of going, he's talking as though he's a counsellor. He's only, he's, he's only done a course this last year, but look at what he's talking about. You'd think he was the expert. And I know because it's me. I'm not. I've just done lots of reading and I've gone out and practiced certain things, but I'm bringing all these life experiences in. And in that, and that's really what the expert is. It's someone that's got a wealth of life experiences, not a wealth of qualifications, but a wealth of life experiences, has tried things out, put them into practice, more than likely failed umpteen times, and then eventually got it fine-tuned so they, they work out where it is they need to be doing so they no longer have to think about it. And I think what a lot of these guys are doing now is they're starting to think through the process too much. And it's like, we've, I think Garvin and I have talked about this before. If you start thinking about walking, like Garvin did one point when he was on a catwalk, he couldn't walk <laughs> because he was overthinking it. Um, a lot of the times we're having to tell people, stop overthinking, just do and see what happens and then moderate it and change it the next time around. <laughs> You've triggered me a second. I'm going to give you a little story behind, behind that statement. And it's, it's, I only have about nine stories in my life, I can tell. This is one of them. And you know, I, again, it's the same year the Marlon Barrett. I came back, I was a model, an international model. Just basically, I had a haircut. I went away with a foot and a half of hair, came back with a haircut, and because I was picked up by a modelling agency in London, now again, they picked me up, I was six foot six, models are six foot four. I was picked up because of a couple of tall girls in the book that they wanted to make look normal. Nothing faded me. I had Armani suits from, from Savile's Row, and I looked like Pee Wee Herman. It, they were, it was like this, nothing fit. So I, could, I didn't look great in the catwalk, but well, you're not meant to be looking at me, you're meant to be looking at the girl in the bikini, sort of strutting her stuff, walking up and down. And I was just there to normalise the fact that she's a gangly six foot three. You know, but that aside, I only got one gig. I got back to Ireland, and it was for people in need. And I remember this back, I don't even know what year it was. It was for Brown Thomas. It was, there was a fashion show, and Jerry Hall was la launching her swimwear collection. And I just somehow got roped into being the only man in the room. Again, I'm not complaining. Twelve you know, fabulous-looking models modelling Jerry Hall's bikini wear, and I'm the only man in the room. I'm going, I'm paying you. You don't even have to pay me. I'm just there. I was really... I, now, they didn't realise, no one actually 
knew who I was. I, was, I came back from London with my little portfolio that was given to me for free. They assumed I knew what I was doing. They assumed I was one of them. I wasn't. Walk, they said. Walk up and down the catwalk there. And then, as I said, my body and my mind for the first time realised it had legs. It didn't know what to do with them. It didn't know what left looked like, what right looked like, and how they were meant to function. Now, I wasn't given time to train. This was walk. They dressed me up and they said, opened a curtain and chucked me out and said, walk up and down there. What was at the other end of the catwalk was a TV crew, a room full of I don't know who, what's and where's. You can see them, they were all in the dark, but because the lights were shining this way on the catwalk, I was being blinded. I didn't realise that these lights were like 200 degrees and you were sweating like a pig. The girls had no clothes on or near nothing, so I was in an Armani suit. And I was no shoes or socks, because I couldn't get a pair to fit me. So I was looking well cool before my time. I start to walk. I, the girls were doing little dances and little jigs. I walked straight through them. They were bouncing off of me and they, 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 they were fixing themselves. That was fine. They made it look as if, as if it was part of the show. I got to the end of the catwalk and I looked down and all I could see was two faces look because the lights were shining on them. And who it was was Jerry Hall and Mick Jagger. And Jerry was hitting Mick and laughing her head. And Mick was laughing and, he, and she was laughing. And I didn't know what they were laughing at. I looked down too, and Jesus, me fly was open. So I done a quick little <laughs> U-turn, and I went 90 miles an hour, walking, I'd mastered walking, and a little bit of jogging and running, straight back up, back into the dressing room. I don't think I did anything they wanted me to do. I made an impression. I was in the national news the next day, and a couple of headlines going, you know, so what, you know, what will Mick think? You know, like, you know, Mick gets more than an eyeful, you know, from, you know, Garvin's, you know, Mickey Mouse boxer shorts. But I mean, they didn't dress me. They didn't train me. They sent me out there. They didn't know what I was beforehand. They had great expectations. I had no expectations. I didn't know what I was doing. I'm on national TV and in the newspapers the next day. It was great PR. It was my one and only bit of bottling, I tell you. But as I said, it throw you in the deep end. That's where I was thrown. And I have really, really enjoyed it, and it's in there to this day. I'm sure Mick Jagger and the wife at the time, uh, it scarred into their memories as well. So that was my learning how to walk after about 30 years after the fact. You know. So, so Wayne, you, you've um, you've been on quite a journey as well with what you've been doing. And oh, Wayne's uh, here. Forgot about Wayne. Yeah, yeah forgot about Wayne. Bring him back in. Still here. Bring, bring still him back here. in. You know, still, well, I'm still here as well, Garvin. So you almost forgot about me, <laughs> but not quite. No, I mean, one of the things that we, we, we're finding is that um, quite often when, you, when I used to speak to my dad and, and other people, you're kind of going, well, they're old folk and they don't really know. But quite often I used to get into these conversations. I kind of go, listen, Dad, is it because I'm my age and you're your age? There's a difference. And we came up with a kind of idea that, no, it was just the time that we were living in. We were both experiencing things exactly the same way. And I know with my son, we're having conversations and he's having his kids growing up now and got two youngsters, which is really good. And, and again, we're getting into that same kind of conversation. I mean, one of the things was my son used to say, Dad, you used to have a scary face. It used to scare me silly when you had that scary face. And and it, the other day, right, he says, Dad, I've got the scary face. It's your scary face because my little boy went, oh, exactly the same as I did. And my wife says, no, that's your scary face. <laughs> I went, oh, my goodness. So how's how's your experience of the world at the moment? How, how's that impacting you? 
Yeah. Um, well, I suppose like everybody, like you guys, like like all businesses, like everyone really, I've had to learn to adapt. Um, I think, you know, adaption has been something that we've all had to do. It doesn't matter whether you're a primary school student. I have two, two boys myself, um, you know, one's a primary school student, one's a secondary school student. And, and both of their lives, for the most part, have been kind of turned upside down compared to my life when I was their age. Things were pretty normal. You go to school, you come home. Suddenly they found themselves having to adapt to technology, to new ways of learning, uh, to a world that says you can't do this and you can't do that. You can't go out on your bike. You have to socially distance. You need to wear a mask, you know, all of this type of stuff. So, you know, this COVID-19 period for me has been similar to everyone else. It's been a period of trying to adapt. And really, from my point of view as a parent, um, as, you know, a dad, as, you know, uh, a business owner, uh, you really don't know what's coming next uh, because things are changing all the time. So I think we can only do our best. Um, I think having continuous conversations with children is really important. Um, reassuring them that hopefully at some point we'll get back to um, some sort of normality. But what I have said to my boys, and I think which is interesting in this conversation is this is actually a good skill to develop. And I use the skill adaption as a skill. If you can, if you can adapt, if you can overcome adversity, if you can, you know, build resilience in yourself to be able to adapt whatever's thrown at you, then that's going to be something that as you move through your life is going to be very advantageous to have. And I think we all know this, that many people don't have resilient skills, don't have the ability to adapt. People have found themselves in jobs, working nine to five for 20, 30, 40 years. Suddenly something happens and they're laid off and they don't know what to do. Where me, you, um, you know, us three guys here sitting having this conversation today, we're comfortable with the adaptation. We're flying our own kite, we always have. Flown, well, I always have flown my own kite. I know you guys are probably similar in that respect. And I'm trying to teach my two boys, you know what? It's okay to fly your own kite and it's okay to try multiple things and multiple experiences. And then I, I'm reminded here that I, I'm picturing your kids going, Dad, would you feck off with that kite shite? <laughs> and I have a drone. And if you're, if you're gonna if you want to start flying bits of paper and stick there now, you go over there now. I have a three-dimensional real-time drone here. I'm gonna plug in my app. I'm gonna fly it over there. I'm gonna pick up a piece. Like, what do you, do you want anchovies on that? I'll have it yeah. back. I've got my revolution. <clears throat> we're going. We're no. We're, we're the old farts. I'm afraid they're not adapting. They're they're, they're laying. They're they're powering ahead. They're they're no. What was. We, we didn't even, I, I found some photographs there last night of my, my mother put a little album together as when I was a kid. And it was like me as a four-year-old, a seven-year-old, a 13-year-old. I was going, the one thing I noticed in all the photographs was I was playing with the same tricycle. You know, I, saw, I was talking to my daughter going, there's my ties. You know, my grown-up ties and my baby ties where there was a bucket in the back garden. There's a bicycle. It's that till it rusts. It's yours. Make do. Well, that's what that was what it was then it's not a three-dimensional drone and ps5 and gods of war it's it's based now you know so our playtime is a different playtime the they, they the planet kids are going i'm off to new york i'm going to do this they're, 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 I'm, I'm playing with jim in sweden and and, and george in germany no, the world is a smaller place. Actually, I'm sure they're playing with someone on a different planet as well. <clears throat> it's like their mindset is already out there. I don't think the kids 
were still trying to adapt. They're malleable, they're pliable, they're, they're, they're that neuroplasty in the LLP is, they're rewiring their brains every five minutes of the day and, and doing it again. <clears throat> Excuse me, so I'm actually, I don't have any fear for my kids. It's, they, in, in that sense, I believe, we, they, they were st the only thing with the problem was, was the bit of the stop. They want to be doing it with you know, the touch version of it and, the, and, the, and that, that touchy-feely part of relationship rather than doing it from the room and the tech. But they, they'll get back into the swing. Things will fix. There will be a new norm. Whatever it looks like, it doesn't matter. It's us that's trying. I think we know the past. We know what we had. And therefore, we feel bad for them. But actually, I can't get my son out of the bedroom. He's, going, he, he, he's just like, going, he's getting his holidays there today. And he's going, three months? Brilliant. What are you going to do? Nothing. And I said, what, what, what's the thing you're going to do? The thing I'm going to do is nothing. I feckin' love it. The, the daughter, she wants to get out and do stuff. It, there's different mindsets. And yeah. they're happy. They're, one is happy doing nothing. The other wants to conquer the planet. I, but, I, I mean, I have no fear for the kids. I think what's interesting is that uh, I know that my two lads have grown up playing games and they were doing the same kind of things that you were de describing about your youngsters. And there's a big age gap difference between them. Uh, but what I've also found is that during the COVID period, my eldest son decided that he'd, had, he'd got a motorbike. He learned how to ride a motorbike against his mum's wishes, but uh, he's, he's learned to ride a motorbike. And in Canada, he, he had this uh, Kawasaki 600. He's turned it into a, into a cafe racer, but he's redesigned the whole bike. He, he, he's an engineer, so he's an electrical engineer. So he's rewired the whole thing, stripped it all out and, and, and made it into something new. But he designed it. You know, Garvin was saying we need to be sort of ab-living quite a lot. But he's gone in and designed this whole motorcycle. And I remember as a kid that we used to uh, do airfix models and balsa wood models. Those were the kind of things that we build. And we had the plans mapped out of what we were doing. And what's interesting is that, that the youngsters, I, I'm seeing some youngsters start to go back to that way of doing things because they are more tactile. They're, they're, they're getting away from the computers. And one of the great things that I've seen recently is that my, my youngest son, who, who's married now, who again was stuck in front of the computer, wouldn't go out, was doing 3D printing, a whole load of stuff. Now that his wife has finished one of the courses that she's doing, they've gone kayaking, which is fantastic. They've gone out and they're getting into the world to experience the world in a different way, away from that safety of this kind of little cube that we're, we're mainly all sort of stuck in. And I think that's, that's, the, that's an exciting thing to be, be doing. I'm myself, having done things in a very sort of practical way, very kind of physical way, liked doing stuff that was practical, hated theory have ended up spending the rest of my life getting involved in theory being stuck studying i'm now getting a chance to get out there again to experience the garden to, to we've been watching the birds fly around the garden i've got a fence to put up but i've already started in my head planning out uh, all this methodology i'm going to use to install this fence at the front garden and it will work because i i've i've these ideas are popping into my head the very functional process of doing this job We've got one of those little corkscrew things to dig out the hole. We've got the cement. We're going to put it up. Uh, and I've pictured the whole thing. It's already there. It exists. It's, 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 gonna, it's there in my head. I heard one pictured word, George. It. Go on. You said experience the garden. Experience the garden. All I heard was experience the garden. You know, I was going, yep, I've changed your world. I've rocked your world. I've, put, I've frightened the bajays out of you. You have not used to this. <laughs> You know, if you can experience the Garvin and 
Oh, so Garvin, I, not Garden. Oh, that, I thought, no, that's what I'm saying. That's the whole point. <laughs> Your garden it's the, is It's the Garvin, not the Garden. <laughs> You're going into safety, functional, plantar Every time, control. every time I use words. The garden right. you want to be in is experiencing the Garvin, yeah. the Garvinology, <laughs> the Garvin wreck your head, the great <laughs> voice. He loves his own voice. He what is he's, I'm not in a conversation. Every I, time, a every time I, I get, uh, every time I get words to translate what Garvin's talking about, and I mention the word Garvin, it always types garden. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's it. But my, I, actually, there is another thing. I my first job as that lounge, well lounge boy come barman when I was 13 years of age. He was he had a, a not a speech. He's from the country to chap in question, and he used to call me garden because and and I go no garden no garden. So I had to pull up because he is the owner. So, but no, so I have been a garden in the past. I you know the Garvin, you know, if you use it, not as my name, but more the fact the Garvin effect, I wreck people's heads. I shout at them. I'm too fast to, they're not able. They, they, they run away in fear. I don't make friends and influence people very easy. But when you get the Garvin effect and you get through that shite, and you get to the other side, you'll survive anyone else. Anyone else is a doddle. You can you, you go in probably and you, from from Donald Trump to, to Mother Teresa, and you'd be going, you you know, I've I've gone through a Garvin, you know I can I can handle you lot. So that that's it. The Garvin effect is if you can, I if tell you can you. get me to let you in. And well, I've, bu- I've built up my confidence Two years because, I've, because I've had the Garvin effect plowed into me and I fought my way back and, and I've managed to challenge him as well, which I think is really good. But I'm getting to see the real garden or the real garden that's there. Now, that reminds me of something that uh, I remember a couple of years back we were we you, you, we were chatting uh, Dwayne, uh, Wayne, Dwayne, Dwayne, there's the D word. Dwayne, 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 you have it now. Wait. Mr. Johnson's in the room. Mr. Johnson's in the room. No, Mr. Motorway. I knew that was going to trip me up somewhere. Like. But I, I remember those little story that you were telling us about uh, an experience of the garden that you were having relating to the birds that are outside and how that developed. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I, I don't want to um, unnecessarily plug one of my ventures because uh, Garvin might come down oh, on I'll me rip pretty you hard. Don't you dare. <laughs> keep a, keep a level. But it was an experience but, there. There was an experience, yeah, and uh, it's really, you know, it, it all stemmed from COVID-19 and finding a way that I could spend some time in the garden, but how could we encourage some more activity in the garden, such as the birds? And the bird seed idea sort of came as a result of that, where we've concocted this um, seed recipe that we that we now sell, um, and that's the only plug I'm going to give. Um, and what it does is it effectively tracks in a whole host of different birds and different bird species into the garden and makes it a happy place. And that was really the idea behind it. I wanted to figure out a way that I could create something um, where people could spend more time in their garden, garden getting inspired. Uh, getting through, you know, that's an indicator. <laughs> And, and this was this was one way to do it for the for the bird lovers. So so yeah, that's that's how that idea came about. And you know what? It's been going really well. And you know, again, I find myself just like you shared a couple of moments ago, immersing myself more in nature. I, I sold my caravan last August and I bought bought a camper van. Oh, and wow. now I've got plans this year to get out into the open road and experience lots of places around Ireland. And hopefully I'm going to go up into Scotland, into the outer Hebrides and uh, spend a little time up there. Oh, that's now, fantastic. I'm jumping back in here because I'm hearing, 
I know you think you're saying stuff. I know you think you're talking about gardens and birds and seeds. That's not what I'm hearing. <laughs> it's that neuroplasticity that's going on there with no, Garvin. The we have to rewire his brain a little bit more. You, no, there's no language in anyone I know that if we were using that, we're talking about the birds and the bees. Yeah, we're on the birds and the bees. And we're not about the birds and the bees, we're about the birds. And the blokes that I know when we're talking about the birds and they're not being sexist, but I'm just going back to my youth. And it was all about the birds. And yes, we'd be planting seeds and how do we can attract those birds into the garden and that type of language. And it was, again, strategic planning. That's what it was. You went to the disco, you done a little dance. It was little, we were all doing that little bird dance. I was big bird. You know, I was six or six in my yellow suit and my feathers. And I was doing that little shaking the tail to attract the other type of birds in the, on the dance floor. And that's the type of birds I like. The birds and but the seeds. Okay, you do that. seeds like that, but you're not you're not impressing me. I'm never gonna be your Oh, customer. I don't Maybe know, because I know in our garden in our garden you see you he, see you have him. He's you see the birds seeds. with the fancy feathers trying to get on with the chicks out there. I wanna the see chicks a big certainly bird chase them the down birds. the roof, That's I can tell I you about that. <laughs> well it's all it's all gone tender now in bumble, so yeah. that's the way you Well uh, Bumble is the bee. <laughs> Now, Tinder, I don't know what the, how that comes in. But, I mean, I, I, I have friends, and that's the weird thing. Some of them are divorced, and some are... You know, and, and they, they use this language friends. of Tinder, swiping left and right and all over the place. And they show me some of the pictures that come back and go, these women are suffering from dyslexia. That, that's not 46, that's 64. I don't know what... I don't, I don't even know who took that picture, but they shouldn't let that out the door. I don't know what that's going to attract in. You're going... It, it's frightening, some of it. And again, I'm sure there's clickbait this and something else that... But thank God I'm not out there. I mean, it was bad enough doing my little dance across the dance floor, 18 years of age, to attract that, that other sex and get that little last chance dance. And, and would, would you dance me? No. Well, how about your friend? I mean, then you'd be scarred for about three months afterwards. You have to change nightclubs because you've done the rounds. You know, I mean, <laughs> Tinder, you know, they haven't a bloody clue. You know, you had to have your strategies. You had to have your strut. You had to do your dance. And by God, the competition was fierce in the ballroom of romance. And that's what the game I had to play. You know, well, that ballroom actually does exist in our garden because, you know, you, you see the finches, the, the sparrows. Birds. Yeah, the birds, few, George. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're doing the same game that you were playing there, Garvin. Definitely, definitely. And some of them, I'll tell you they what. They had more they, success than I did, I'll tell you. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Some of their missuses really sort of <laughs> virtually knocked them off the roof. <laughs> you see them tumbling down the roof, coming down. Oh, Oh, there's some there. Oh, the banter out there. It's, it's well, it's, Wayne, it's I'm going to bring this down. Like, obviously, you're married <laughs> with children. You're Al Bundy, married with children. Did you do a little dance? How did you attract that other little bird? Well, I, like you, Garvin, um, I had um, those experiences in nightclubs and, and, and discos and, and pubs and bars. And, and that's something that fundamentally has changed at the moment with COVID-19. I mean, many young people actually, and the research out there will indicate that they're, they're missing that opportunity to, 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 to go and Kurt or, um, you know, meet another uh, female, a male, whatever way they are inclined. Because there's no venues to go to now, um, there's no nightclubs, there's, there, there's no, well, the pubs can't even play music. So that's going to be interesting to see, you know, the impact that that has had. One thing it has done is it has obviously um, 
boosted things like Tinder, uh, Bumble, those platforms now where people are going online to meet um, to meet others in, in, in that sort of virtual social setting. So it's going to be interesting to see the impact that that has, I think, in future um, years to come, the impact it may have on overall relationships. Um, things happen a lot quicker in the online and the virtual spaces we all know. So I think we're going to look back on this time as a very interesting experiment overall, the impact it's having on the workplace, the impact on the future of work, the impact on relationships, mental health, well-being, all of these things. And I think we're living through a very interesting time. Uh, and it's nice that the three of us here um, can observe this from afar, so to speak, because we don't have that traditional mode yeah, of work. Yeah, my wife let me download Tinder. You're right. I'll have yeah. to just look from afar. Yeah. <laughs> we can, we can now, observe. Now, actually, I have to worry if she actually hands me the phone with Tinder downloaded. I better check the prenup because there's something else. And look at this. Well, one of, yeah. one of the difficulties I think a lot of youngsters are, are having is that they can, they can talk on screen because they've got, they're in their silo. Uh, Garvin's talked about the silos quite a bit. They're in that protective silo. They think they can say anything because they're 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 invulnerable. They they that nothing can get to them. Nothing can do anything to them. But when they actually meet face to face in three D in 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 the flesh, they're they're meeting a different person because they they saw them as a flat image and now they're seeing everything about that person. And not only that, the perspective they're now getting is of somebody totally different, and and they may not even recognise them based on on what they're seeing. And a whole other load of stuff kicks in that they weren't able to to perceive in in the two D world. I mean, I remember not only that. There's um. I, I, I've been doing a counselling course, and on the counselling course, most of it was online. So we were interacting, doing what they call the triads, you know, and, and doing counselling. And then you were in the classroom, and you suddenly went, wow, the experience in the classroom or, or in person is totally different. Because now I'm not only observing their eyes and what they're saying, I'm, I'm, I'm watching their body language. I'm seeing in, in closer, it, you know, what, how they're reacting to what I'm saying or, or, you know, what's going on with them. The body language is more, more evident. There, there are other things that are going on. Those are, the, those are the tools that are being deprived, I think, of the youngsters at this point because they're not getting the chance to be there like, like Garvin was, strutting his stuff. They could see him. They could analyze him in every single way stuff. they could possibly the go. stuff was meant to be put away. It wasn't meant to be vis visible. That was terrible. <laughs> I'll never get away with that one. Well, all the people that are going into meetings now, and they're sitting there looking really nice and posh here, and they're wearing their pajamas underneath because <laughs> no one gets to see it. <laughs> now, George, I'm going to double back for a second because, no, I don't know. It's my brain. That's how it works. All I heard was triads, and I could have sworn I saw a bunch of ninjas. You know, is, are triads ninjas? You know, and if so, you know, then that's what I start. That's where I start going. There's a bunch of ninjas going out there. They're, they're, they're membership of the triads, and you know, but it's at the same time the avatar bit. We double back again. It's there's all these filters and avatars. And George, we did a show with Billy Schwer. You don't. Yep. George just showed me a, the preview of it last night, and he's. He's used sepia photograph, you know, filters. And I'm going, Jesus, I'm looking great. Now, no, George thinks I'm congratulating his part of the show and everything. And all I'm going is, I'm just <laughs> looking at me going, just oh, I look great. You know, like he's taking a few years off me there now. And, you know, we can do, we can do with some more of this. Now, that's a flat image of you with filtered sepia, looking better, dressed up, 
bit of tech to mask that age and a couple of wrinkles. And, and back to the, to the, to the bumbles and, the, and, and, and the, other, the other one, you're going, it's, it's dressed up desktop publishing. It's filtered this and the other, full immersion something else. That's a bloke. It's not even a girl. You, it's frightening two-dimensional what's there. Yeah, I don't know if you saw the news item this week uh, from America, but there's a whole load of kids that are graduating from high school and the high school has censored their image. So a lot of them had sort of low-cut dresses and they redid their uniforms and they're all absolutely livid because their privacy has been invaded because uh, they've, take, they've actually drawn attention because the, the Photoshop work was so bad on all these images in their final year book. And they're, they're whoa. So again, that's something that, that's, that's quite interesting, is where we've reached a stage with the technology that you can't necessarily trust the image that's there in front of you. Because, you know, I, I, there are certain types of software where they're now able to scan the face. And I could be sitting there, but I've got Obama's face on or, or Trump's face on, you know, and talking with his voice. You know, it's a bit like Mission Impossible, you know, where they've got the little voice. George wants to be the president oh. of the United States. Oh, I want to be the president of the United States. Now. He doesn't matter if it's white, black or orange, <laughs> as long as he has a chance of being the president. Well, this orangeness here is almost matching into what the orangeness is. Now, strangely enough, George, we're starting to veer towards a little bit more of what Wayne does. I don't know yeah. much about what Wayne does and no one else does either because we won't ask many questions and let him talk. <laughs> but that aside, it's the security. There's a little bit of security you're talking about there. A little bit of desktop publishing going on. A little bit of you don't know who you're dealing with. A little bit of avatar something, and we have your information. There is a security issues and dress you up and undress you and information and power. So there's there is a little bit of that that you're about. That you know the guy, we tried not to veer towards it, but it seems to want to go there itself. <laughs> you know, so we're heading towards information is power and yeah know, that's maybe we'll, we'll go with that yeah and i suppose what's interesting what you guys are talking about and again not to go into that i suppose the same could be said back in your days of of nightclub um um visits let's say i like um, you, you know, bring it back there great we're back you know you could you could come across somebody who is dressed a certain way has certain makeup on has their hair done a certain way that's um, me has who certain, else there you know, the next day you see that person, they're completely different, um, you know, and that's that's the thing about it. So I think most of us are aware of that. However, when it comes to the technology, it becomes much more easier to mask. And that's the word I'm going to use because you can set up fake personas, you can set up fake accounts, you can create avatars, you can create a virtual character, so to speak. You can be somebody that you're not. And I suppose to circle back around to the point that George was talking about earlier on, like both you and I, George, lectured in a further educational college. Yep. Uh, and we've come in contact, delivering training materials, delivering uh, seminars, workshops, to, to students, you know, and what I have found at least uh, for the most part is it's sometimes very difficult to extract engagement in the physical world from a student, but they're very good at extracting or engaging in the virtual space. And I think what we've lost almost, guys, and I think you'll, you'll agree with what I'm going to say here is we're losing the art of communication. Yeah, um, I've never had that. My... I love it. You, you have the art of communication. <laughs> you grew up with it. You developed it. George did too. No, I have the yeah. art of talking, not the art of communication. You know, I'm, that, I've got to learn that art. But I mean, <laughs> the art of listening, the art listening. of conversation includes the talking and the listening bit. Four ears, one mouth. I've been told that I don't know how many times. 
I think the money. listening's more important. Yeah. Well, it is, but then I never show, then I never talk. And then I, it's all about me. You don't get it. I recruited George. We're doing 80 shows. He said, what are we going to talk about? Don't worry. That's not a problem. We'll talk. Now, whether it's interesting, whether it's good, whether it's bad, there's not going to be a problem with sound. There's not going to be a problem. The <laughs> Only if it's too loud. <laughs> Yeah, he lowered did you see that we, we, we never even talked about what we were going to talk about there? I didn't go down that path because we're picking up on the things that yeah. we're discussing and, yeah. and listening to what you guys are saying. You know, communication, I think, is, is so fundamental. Um, my, as a parent myself, I'm very aware of that with my two boys growing up, that I need them to become as effective communicators as they can possibly be. Otherwise, opportunities are going to pass them by. Um, and I think, yes, you still need to be able to be good at a communication or a, a communicator online, but equally, you need to be able to come offline and you need to be able to articulate your message and you need to be able to get your point across. But ultimately, you need to be able to listen to what's being said and then respond accordingly. Now, Garvin had asked about what so was what, a triad. So what? what? <laughs> Hang on a second. Garvin uh, was talking there about what was a triad because he was thinking about the ninjas. Now, we're effectively a triad because there's three of us here. And in counselling, yeah. what you have is you have the person who is the, the helpee, the, pers the person being counselled, who is normally the one talking. Garvin's that person. <laughs> You've also got then the counsellor who is the person that's listening and then paraphrases back what the other person is saying. The other good so thing about George. yeah, you have a translator. The other good thing is that in the triads, the third person is observing the person that's listening, and what they're doing is they're they're monitoring to see whether or not they're following certain principles of you know having empathy, you know being non-judgmental, how they're engaging with the with the clients, whether they're listening to their story, whether they're actually looking for blind spots, which we've talked about quite a bit, and then how they're challenging the person to to step out outside of what Garvin calls the silo and look back in on their own own story to see if they can find their own solutions and I think that's that's really something that's quite good that kind of area is something I think we we often all need is in our own personal development is to is to be have the spotlight put on us to look at the way that we're doing things to help us improve with our communication and our methods of using certain types of frameworks to get that communication point across. And one of the things that I found with talking to Garvin is that Garvin would be talking a lot of business talk. I'm talking about storytelling. And what we found is there's a commonality, which you would expect, but a lot of people don't think there is. And, they, and, and one of the biggest problems in, in business is that quite often people don't know how to tell their story or get their story across. So they find an expert that's good at communication. They kind of go, you're the expert. Tell me what I want. <laughs> the first thing he has to say is, I can't because I need to listen to your story where you think it is and then help you discover yourself what that story is so that you can choose a way forward. It's so easy and this is something that happens in counseling, coaching, and, and even in lecturing. It's so easy for someone else to say, you're responsible for me doing what I'm about to do next. But the reality is they're not. They're not. They're not taking on their, we've, we've talked about this, I'm not taking on someone else's problems. The reality is they have to learn, they, they can't blame other people for not taking responsibility for their actions they're doing. And that's something that has to be communicated across to people, uh, especially the youngsters. Um, they need to learn communication skills. They need to learn to listen as well as know when to speak, but also to, to, to have 
courage in what they're saying, that they do have a voice and their voice is just as valid as anybody else's, but also to to not prejudge the other people around them so because they could quite often, you know, stereotype somebody and then totally misconstrue that what is being said to them. And I think that's that's one of the biggest problems that we we have. But I think what Garvin and I have been doing through these conversations is actually training us into how to how to communicate to other people. And I know that Garvin's going through a process of, of, of reflection. He says he's forgotten half of what we've talked about in these shows, but when he goes back, he's reflecting upon what, is, what the engagements were. And we're using this kind of 80-20 rule um, that we're suddenly kind of going, look, we, there's been a lot, there may be mistakes and things that went wrong in the last episode, but what we'll do is we'll reflect upon them and try and see if we can improve upon that in the next one. And then we can keep on moving forward as opposed to looking back on the problems that we thought we had before. Now, I'm going to say something, only something little. George <laughs> is my translator. That's what's going on. I, I said something and then he translates what he think I should have said or I could have said or maybe this is what I meant. Now, I don't know if I meant it. I just said what came out of my head. And my brain doesn't filter. That's my problem. I said it many a time. I have no filter. My wife gives out about it. She says, think before you talk. Then I won't talk because I've no filter. If I think about it, I won't say it. Therefore, I say nothing and I'm concentrating on what I'm going to say, which is I'm trying to work out what to say and it's five minutes later. So no filter. Let it, it's out there. Have I used my outside voice? I'm my out, so I think I've said it in my head. I've said it outside. I said it loud and it's not filtered. So it's just out there. And I'm going to say, well, I'm going to talk. It needs to be out there. And whoever the hell I'm talking to better not be, you know, gentle or easily insulted or, or that type of thing. They have to be able for it. They're grown up, for God's sake. It's not that I'm shouting at them, cursing at them or doing something else. I'm just externalizing. I'm just using my ideation. I'm trying to entertain a little bit. And I'm, it's for me. It's just on the outside. That's all it is. So... I think I'm saying stuff, and I may be saying stuff. George translates into, well, that was actually unrealistic versus realistic expectations. That was the silo. There's a little bit of Pareto Principle 20 rule. That's strategizing, that's playing, that's goals. You know, and it actually is. It's even talking about the little bit of a dance. You know, going on, and lack of training for my little, my, my show. I mean, they shouldn't have sent me out there. I wasn't dressed, nothing fitted. I wasn't trained. I wasn't fit for purpose. They put me on national TV. Well, they got good press out of it. But I mean, it, it's, if you talk about the learnings afterwards, you go, that was ridiculous. But at the same time, it happened. And, you're going, and, and no one had a little tick list of check bits. So now you're going beforehand, that wouldn't happen again. There's learnings to be had. Everything is about business, even if it's about personal or professional. You have a goal, get up. Actually, the dancing, the going to the discos. By God, we were strategic planners. Yeah, we knew we had many drinks, how to sneak it into the disco, how to get in for free, go in there, how to round them up. How many dances to do, no one to cut our losses, move on next door. I like what you were talking about a little bit earlier on, Wayne, because we could get away with holy murder. There was no phones. There was no social media. You just had to move pubs and start the process again with someone else. You brought your game. You brought your A game. You used the same lines. And if it worked on this one, brilliant, because it didn't work on the last one. They knew better. They heard it before. So we had our lines we had our game plan, we went out, and maybe if we were lucky, we scored. I heard another little thing you said, God forbid you woke up the next day, 
and you didn't recognise the other person. The war makeup was off, the lights were on, and you wish no one was home. So that's, that has happened many a time too. But business planning 101 for disco dancing and dating in the Irish scene in the 90s. It's all the same. <laughs> So the key word there is learning, I think, and, uh, you know, learning from your experiences. And I think that's really important. It's, it's important in business. It's important in all aspects of life. And we need to make mistakes in order to learn. So I don't think there's, there's nothing wrong with making mistakes. Um, mistakes are made every day. I'm making mistakes in my business, my professional life, you know, just as you make in your personal life. And that's how we learn. And I think that's how we become better uh, at what we're doing. So there's nothing wrong with that process. Unfortunately, some people are too hard on themselves when they make mistakes and they, they don't get back on the horse again or it, it puts them off. But as you guys know, Garvin, you must have got back on the horse many a time um, and, and tried again. Uh, yes, eventually. John Lane, we were in that posse, <laughs> the Magnificent Seven. We have the gear, the horses. We didn't even need the horses. We were off down there chase, looking for the OK Corral, bit of a shootout in the pub. No, it, you have to get back on the horse. you got to drink you your milk. you got to go out there. You know, I said, there's nothing in here. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, look, we are actually, would you believe, reached the end of this show again. Perfect. There, Which there is, was a show. Perhaps, there, there was, was a, a show. This. There was a show. There was a we were, this. What, we were recording this. We were recording this. Yes, this, this is a preamble, a, This is George. an event. This is the preamble. <laughs> this is a preamble. We've actually covered quite a lot because we actually went out into the garden at one point and then we got mixed up with Garvin and Garvin and Garden. We ended up going through quite a lot about the life journeys that we have experiencing and sharing with other people of different generations. We also started talking about how the youngsters today, because of the current crisis, which will be over, that chapter will go very quickly, the same as any other chapter, are having a different set of experiences to what we would have had when we were young, but quite often the same experiences that they are having, we as older, an older generation are having as well. So it is time specific. And I think that's quite important because when we're talking to uh, different generations, different people, there's a lot of commonality that we, we, we actually have between those generations, which quite often folks in the past thought there wasn't. They thought there was this generation gap. But there are things that we have in common, which means that we can communicate. And what Wayne was talking about was the importance of communication. The act, the art of communication, if you like, the listening process, the the speaking process and the reviewing process that we all need to go through. And we shouldn't be too hard on ourselves when we make mistakes. And in fact, as we've we've all learnt, a part of that learning process is that it is only through making mistakes that you can prove yourself and become better. And if you don't make mistakes or you don't give yourself the opportunity to make mistakes, you're actually not going to learn anything. So that's this show this week. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you come and see us again next week on a Friday. Thanks very much, Wayne. Any last words, Garvin, just before we go? I'm just reminded again of George just said in this show, Wayne was the prime example of how to do it right. <laughs> and Garvin was the prime example of how not to do it. So the art of conversation versus the art of talking. Well, I have to say my final words would be I actually learned a lot from Garvin today. So it was a learning experience for me too. Oh, thanks You've been very much. That's it. <laughs> <You've been> <laughs> thanks a lot, everybody. Bye for now. Thanks very much. Thanks, guys. Hope you enjoyed this video. Please subscribe and click on the bell for notifications.